Hey, this is episode 123 of the Collector's Quest podcast. In this episode, we're talking about bad games that collectors want, games that collectors want that have problems, games collectors want that you want, but theoretically some people might not want. Okay, Johnny had a vision for this show where it was going to be just kind of games that people buy just to post them on Instagram. But instead, I feel like we all just kind of took it in a different direction. So hopefully you enjoy whatever this is. Don't forget to go to iTunes and give us a five-star review. That would be cool. All right. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler, here with Johnny and Stefan. Hey, guys. Hi. Hey. We are uh, re- we are recording this on July 3rd, and uh, traffic today was terrible. It took me three and a half hours to drive 70 miles today. Yeah. So, two problems with that. One, you're giving it a date, and I take like a week to edit these sometimes. So, instantly, everyone's going to know this is dated information. Two, we're trying to start off a conversation with traffic. I don't know hey, about that one. Hey, hey, Tyler, we're talking about games that were made like years ago, so I don't think dated information in that context is a bad thing. When you're talking like a week, there was there was like one ep- the hundred thousand dollar Mario episode. Don't. We were like on top of that, like right don't. when it happened. We had one topical episode. You've taken this from an interesting anecdote to just garbage now. Thank you. No, tell Thank tell me about that. the traffic today. I heard it. I heard it took three hours in traffic. That That's must it. have been boring, That's it. It huh? Bad. You asked me. You asked what were you me doing in the doing? car that whole time? I told time. you it was bad. Did you have a nice long podcast to listen to at least? Yeah, this one. <laughs> no, for sure. I was, I was, I was listening to this podcast on the way to work today. I'm sorry. What now? Why? I, I, I you can learn to our a lot show. of stuff on collectors. I Quest, listen Johnny. to our show. But why though? To make sure I mean, it was good enough to. But I, you, I, I'm self-critical were, endlessly. I mean, I know why I go back and listen, like. Like, where do I want to take the show? What improvements can we make? What were you doing? Was this entertainment for you? No, actually, normally I listen to it to try to improve my speech patterns because I know of the three of us, I'm the one that does all the ums and likes and so's, and I'm trying to improve upon that. And I feel like if I listen to myself do it enough, it will help me not do it. Okay, okay. that's a good reason. Stephen, also, your I... ums were were rough <laughs> last week. I edit That's so many ums. If you hear ums slip through, it's because I get tired of editing it. I'm like, I'm just going to let Stefan go here for two minutes. The one, the one that I did hear, I was not the last episode. I think it was the episode before, but you missed an F-bomb from me. I Yes, I do miss bleeps frequently. <laughs> um, I, and then, I, heard, uh, I heard one that was pretty funny. Like, you bleeped uh, the S word and then let the F-bomb slip through. And then, oh, yeah. and then you let... The S word come through. We're trying to be good. I don't know why we're trying to be good. We should just say it and let him bleep it. Yeah, I, I remember him bleeping. And like, not only did he bleep, but then when he said it, he went, oh, I'm going to censor that. And then he let my F-bomb drop. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the FCC here, guys. Um, I, I go through this once. It's not like I'm... I used to go through the episode like twice. Like I used to edit it and then listen back to it and edit more. It's like, oh, oh God. my God, guys, no, editing don't. a podcast is like the worst thing ever. 
don't start a podcast. Unless you have someone else you can sucker into editing it. And that's why I love Tyler so much. Yeah, That's me. That's why these shows are an hour and a half now instead of 35 minutes. I I, I tried to convince you to keep them shorter. I, and I even told you, like for you, Tyler, it would be better if they're only 45 to 50 minutes. And that quality of life-wise for every week of my life, that is a true statement. But we also like talking a lot, Johnny. That's true. That's why we've got four minutes of of nothing relevant right now. No, you know, traffic in California, it's it's pretty bad on the third. People- you know what? Just stop asking me how I'm doing then. <laughs> I always start with how you're doing. You know, that's a, like, if you ask Stefan how he's doing and he just talked about traffic, consider yourself lucky. That That's like a fortunate thing because it would I be real sad if he went in depth on like how he's really doing. Yeah, I, I censor my, my responses to that question for you guys. I mean, John, I know Johnny could I have answered. How... Johnny could have oh, stepped oh, on Stefan's toes like he used to do all the time when Stefan joined the show. Before I got a voice. Yeah. Well, I also have to learn how to communicate with three people all at once. It's a learning curve for me. I'm not. I don't have the luxury of just introing and then letting everything else happen around me, Tyler. Uh, that's a good point. So another, in addition to not starting a podcast, don't start a podcast with three people because editing two audio tracks just way easier all around. Yep. But we love I mean, you guys, and we love Stefan, so we, we we let it happen. Yay! I mean, push comes to shove, I could I could like head to your place more often. I mean, no, that would still be stupid. I wouldn't like that. Just keep everything as it is. I don't like change in my life. That's why I stuck to playing Nintendo games for all these years. Okay, well, uh, Stefan, do you want to depress us with how you're actually doing, or take, <laughs> no, not particularly? Take a moment to actually tell the podcast like what's going on. Do you want to go into that at all? Let's, uh, I mean, if you want me to do that, I'll do that at the end so that that way people don't just turn the shit off like at the beginning. All right, everyone, make sure no sharp objects are around. This is no, I saw, I saw Stefan, he was in his happy place today posting about a Super Nintendo that had a little chunk cut out of it. No, no, when you see me post like that, that means I'm in a terrible place because I'm posting about it to make myself feel better. Wow, this episode is getting a little too (laughs) real. I'm feeling super uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, I'm going to put a, a bleep here, and then we'll get right into it. Because <laughs> oh, right. I like doing those bleeps. They're funny cuts. So, uh, guys, awkward transition from awkward moment. What uh, what are we talking about today? Johnny, we're talking about popular games that are bad. Or we're talking about games people like to collect that are bad, or they shouldn't. Or... We each had so many interpretations of this episode, I actually don't remember what okay, we decided let, on. Let me tell you, or you could just read exactly what's on the episode, Doc. That's helpful. Let me. Uh, bad games that every collector wants or has already purchased. So we are guilty of some of this ourselves. We're going to talk about games that uh, maybe are of a lesser quality. We might have a few hot takes that you can fight us about. We love to fight. And there's fireworks because it's July 3rd, Tyler. Let's date it. Oh my God, you dated it. I did it. I did it again. (laughs) Um, So if uh, we're going to talk about some of that kind of stuff, we'll see how you guys feel about it. If you agree again, this is not us calling you guys out, you guys and ladies as the audience, but also specifically us too. So this is all collectors. This is something we all do. So have a little fun with it. Don't take it too seriously. And if you want to fight, uh, you know, light up our DMs. We're ready. Yeah. 
obviously good and bad is subjective to the person. I have genuinely enjoyed games that are collectively considered terrible. So uh, like uh, 3D World Runner, I love. I like 3D World Runner. Really? Yeah, I did. I loved it as a kid. Anyway, so it's subjective. Relax. That's all I got. All right. Mine's objective, and I'm going to tell people that they're wrong. So speak for yourself, (laughs) Stefan, but we'll get into it. Well, I mean, that that's coming out strong. Why don't you take it away? No, I'm going to save that one for later. I'm going to start out with my, my more Whoa. real pick. Pokemon Box Ruby and Sapphire. Guys, if you asked me what the most desirable GameCube game is, I probably would have said Wind Waker Metroid Prime, because this one kind of slips my mind a bit. If you asked me to guess what the price is, I would have said like 300 bucks. Pokemon Box is worth a grand right now. Like, solidly a grand, I think. It's like 900 to to 1000 It's It's just a Pokemon storage system for the GBA games. It comes in a big box, the same size as, like, Odama or Mario Party 7. It comes with a GBA Link cable in it. Uh, it has, like, a regular GameCube case in it. And then the case has a Pokemon box-branded memory card. Actually, I think it came with two stickers, and you could have put one sticker on the memory card. Anyway... All it is, is a way to organize your Pokemon. So basically, if you have no friends and you want to play all of the Pokemon games by yourself, and, which is a very big end for the early 2000s, you don't have a second Game Boy Advance where you could just trade with yourself like a goddamn normal person, you could buy Pokemon Box. Uh, It was $20. You could buy it at the Pokemon Center in New York City, which I believe turned into the Nintendo store. I don't think they moved, right? You guys not, are in California. You don't know. Yeah. I'm a, <laughs> I thought it was actually, just sold at the Nintendo World store, but maybe it converted. I don't know. I am almost positive it was called the Pokemon Center at that point because I lived in New York then. Uh, you could also buy it online uh, from the Nintendo online store, which I guess some people did. I don't know who was buying things online in the early 2000s. Anyway, this game went from $20 to $1,000, and there's no reason to own it other than it's kind of really rare. Is is it the rarest GameCube game, Johnny? I don't even know. I don't keep track of GameCube I, stuff. You know, no. No, it's not. They're like... There's some big box stuff, like uh, the duo packs are, yeah. are rarer than that. But that's, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure because I don't track. I've had a GameCube set for a long time, so I'm not tracking actively, like, what people are still fighting to get. Um, but oh, there's, there's a lot of Japanese copies, like, a lot, like, over oh, 100. Oh, you can, <laughs> like, if you want Pokemon Box, you can go get a Japanese copy easily. Not too much money, unless they've started to go up, too. Because, like, when I used to search for that, it was always, like, get this for $30, and Pokemon Box was, like, $200. So that's that's where I'm coming from. Back when it was two hundred dollars. You know what? There's a there's a copy without a manual on eBay. There's a, a copy with the memory card without the box. There's a disc only copy. There's only one copy with a box. Oh, there's two copies with a box on eBay, and one of them's new for three thousand dollars. I don't know. That's it's probably a really hard game to find. I'm gonna say not that it wouldn't be, but I I just wouldn't think that a GameCube game would be worth a thousand dollars right now. Well, yeah, I mean, there there's some uh, Wii U games that are worth $1,000, right? No. The, yeah, with the other Nintendo World Store, the Hyrule yeah. Warriors, $1,000, really? I it can be up to $1,000. I think it's between like five and 1000 Same with like uh, the Mario Guys, Kart. 
like wow. uh, Mario Kart almost makes sense because like it's Mario Kart, but Hyrule Warriors is like a bootleg Zelda game. That one doesn't count. <laughs> Hyrule Warriors was the second of them, so it was even more popular than Mario Kart. What are you guys doing? Like if uh, Breath of the Wild had like some Nintendo World thing, like yeah, dude, go crazy, spend thousands of dollars on it. I don't care. But did you ever play Hyrule Warriors? I don't like the Dynasty Warriors games because they're okay. all the same. So I just assumed this was more of that. Yeah, it is with Zelda characters. I liked it. I enjoyed it. So we were just talking about how uh, before the show, we were talking about how I don't like to talk about games I haven't played, even if I'm like pretty familiar with them, because I feel like that's disingenuous. But with Dynasty Warriors, you know, I've played like one on the PS1, one on the PS2. I feel like I'm pretty qualified to talk about any of the Dynasty Warriors games. There's a lot of Dynasty Warrior games. There are so many. And they, they've got like the same battles in them and the same characters. What a, what a crazy series. Anyway, yep. Pokemon Box. I'm going to say it's a bad game because it's, it's literally functions you could be performing on your Game Boy, but on your TV. It also lets you play the games on your TV, but only those games. And then Nintendo released a separate Game Boy player. So that feature is kind of redundant too. So... Post it on your Instagram, but don't buy it to use it. You know, I actually don't even see it on Instagram very much. I wonder if it's because of how expensive it is and also because it's kind of rare. Because some of these other games we're going to talk about, I see all the time. Pokemon Box is probably, even though it's a Pokemon title, probably the one I see the least of everything we're going to talk about. Yeah, is there a tremendous amount of awareness in the community of it? Like, really? Like... I like mean, all the the generation undermine like really aware of GameCube stuff. They all know that's like the rarest GameCube game. Yeah, it's popular. Yeah, it's like that. And then, you know what? It's funny because Disney Sports Basketball climbed up so much and like Cubivore like started to climb. But it used to be Pokemon Box, Metroid Prime, Legend of Zelda combo, and um, uh, what's that? The NCAA basketball game? Yeah, 2K3. Is that what it is? Two K three. Yeah, now that, I don't think two K three is. I like. I don't even think it's in the top ten anymore. It's a hundred and twenty. Like it's one hundred twenty five bucks. Like okay for a basketball game, but like people were talking about it, kind of like in the same vein as NBA Elite Eleven. Like not that rare, but people were like, "Oh my god, NCA uh, NCAA two K three. You'll never see that game. It's out there." Yep. Okay. So, Stefan, what do you got for us? Battletoads is garbage. Whoa. Yeah, so hey, Battletoads for the NES, not a good game. I understand it's really popular. Stefan, I could beat the Turbo Tunnel with my eyes closed, though. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. See, that's the thing, (laughs) is that people people think that it's people play it and put it on YouTube because it's a good game. They don't. They they play it because it's insanely difficult, oftentimes because it is such a crap game, uh, like the hit detection being garbage and like not giving you enough... Uh, lives and like not giving you like the the energy system is is stupid. It it's not a good game. It's just really 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 hard. And so people when they get you know played enough, get mastery over it, they like to show off the fact that they can beat these things like the turbo tunnel or um and and it's just it's not it's not good. It's just hard, and people like to show off that they're good at it, but that doesn't make it a good game. I feel like you're taking shots at like friends of ours, like Retro <laughs> Thunder and S- Super Sparkster don't deserve this from you. Yeah, you know, subjective. I mean, that's why I opened up with this being subjective because it totally is. But Battletoads is a terrible game, and uh, it's just difficult, and people like to uh, to show that they're good at it. 
I agree that people do like some people just like games because they're hard. And I'm going to come out with one of mine and I'll talk about it much in the same vein. I have not been someone who enjoys Battletoads. I distinctly remember my cousin and I beating Battletoads, uh, like 95% sure that happened back when we were teenagers in Nevada, that we like made it our mission to finally get through it and did. And then we never played it again because we weren't having fun. We just did it to say we did it. And then be done with it forever. So yep, it's a chore. I I don't know. So I haven't played enough Battletoads on NES to comment. So I I grew up. I played Battletoads in arcades, but I never really played the NES version. And even now, it it, I never I could never get into it because I don't like beat 'em ups and it's a lot of beat 'em up style combat. But I totally understand the appeal of going to a hard game. And knowing, like, you know, once you played it three times, you just got obliterated. But then, you know, you go back to it a month later and you can run through the whole game with your eyes closed. That's just, like, the best feeling playing an NES game. So even though I haven't beat Battletoads, I I totally get the feeling of the guys who have. And they like that they can run through it, even if it might be messed up and broken. Which, you know, looking at some parts in speedruns, like jumping on snakes and stuff, it, oh, it looks so messed up and just trial and <laughs> error. It's oh, super, it looks so super good. broken. <laughs> I was going to say, this is 100% like, I can't believe Tyler isn't more on board showing us videos of him playing Battletoads. <laughs> it's on my list to play. I'll get to it soon eventually. You know, we talked about a couple episodes ago, we talked about Ninja Gaiden a lot. Uh, and Johnny, I think it was you who had mentioned that like it is difficult, but when you fail at it, you feel like you suck. It's not that the game isn't fair, right? And that's 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 another th- like that's a part of Battletoads that it's just it's turned on its head. Like so many of those deaths when I'm playing through it. Uh, if, if I am convinced, you know, it, it's not any fault of my own, or at least I don't, the game is not good enough to make me feel like it's my fault, right? It just, it makes me feel like I failed because the game is broken and that's not a good feeling. It's the same kind of bullshit deaths you get in Mega Man until you've played through Mega Man a bunch of times where you're just like, all right, here's the place I have to drop down. Oh, obviously there's spikes when I drop down from right here. Let's restart the whole level over. Was, that was a I fun I was just going to say that. The part where like the beams come out of the walls, it's basically impossible if you do it the first time because you don't know which way the beams are coming from and all that. Well, you don't but even still know love there's going to be beams. Those aren't moments that are fun. And I think if we're if like we want to go to the Mega Man thing, here's how we know that that's not fun. Because when the uh, you know the creator came out and he remade what was it, Mega Man 9, and that game was a piece of shit. And people say, oh, because it was too hard. Yeah, well, it just wasn't fun because they had he added he forgot the parts of Mega Man that were fun and just added in all the parts of Mega Man that were bull. So you're just like, well, this game is all bullshit. I don't want to sit here and do this. This isn't fun. Like, you feel like a dummy. Like, I maybe I should have known this. Why? But why should I have? No, it's like gotcha moments. I, I don't like. No one like gotcha moment deaths. Like, haha, dummy, gotcha. Get out of here. I with that think garbage. in limited use, they can be fun, and you could feel like you're you're smarter than the game once you can beat them. Like, it's no problem. Like once you. Once there's like a, a fall and the first time you do it, you don't know what's there. And the second time, like it's the second time and every subsequent time you're like, ah, I know I got to be kind of in the middle over to the right for this fall. Like, yeah, it's going to waste 30 seconds the first time you do it. But, oh, I like, I like feeling smarter than games for stuff like that. Like, I don't want that to be the whole game, but you know, 
Look, put a couple of those in. Look, but like you said, in a limited amount. And that's why Mega Man 10 isn't fun, and Mega Man 2 is fun. Yep. Are we shitting on 9 or 10? Because I can actually speak about these Mega Man 9 and 10 being two of the only four Mega Man games I've beaten. Really? Nine, specifically. 10 was a better... Uh, they did better with 10, but I still didn't love 10, even though I got through through it. All right. Two of so the Battletoads uh, sucks. Yeah. Oh, right. Battletoads. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like Johnny, before the podcast, you were not on board with, with me, and now I feel like I've won you over. <laughs> well, like, I, I just, I, I'm not on board with uh, calling out people. Like, it, it, feel, it feels like you're taking <laughs> shots at, at people, like, that we might be friends with. And, like, I'm just like, <laughs> I don't, like... I can agree with you on Battletoads and that kind of gameplay, but you're like, and then speedrunning assholes who put on blindfolds. Yeah. I'm like, screw you, you just Brandon. like cited two of our friends. <laughs> Why? Why? I didn't tell them speedrunning assholes. I just said that the motivation for speedrunning them is to show that you're good at a difficult game, not because you actually enjoy it. Well, I mean, but they might, fun. but they might enjoy. It. Like, there are people who enjoy speedrunning. Let's. I have a problem telling people what fun is. Like, you know. <laughs> Like, let people decide what their own fun is. Anyways, I agree with you on part of it, and and I, there's that one piece I I, I would disagree with you and I'm separate myself from you, so you so the listeners know that that was Stefan and not Johnny's opinion, I'm nor not the opinion of the podcast, but the opinion of Go Collect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys don't know, we are still owned by Go Collect. It's funny because uh, we're gonna I, send out I, a newsletter. Yeah, um, we are. Um, I, you got that I've actually Nintendo talked newsletter to, by Go Collect, right? Yeah, I I did actually, but we might have him on the show. Actually, that's a thing that might happen. So I'm excited to hear his point of view. And I feel like he would be amiable to our teasing, so I'm not worried about it. Well, I, I don't, sure hope so. I well, I have no idea if he's amiable to our teasing. I don't really know him, but we will pre-interview and find out. But, All right, uh, Stephen, non sequitur. Here we go. Um, you posted that. That SNES, so the cart slot has a little chip cut out. It has like a little slot cut out of it so it could fit in mm-hmm. exposed ROM chips. Yep. And this was on the Nintendo Age Facebook group. And I was going to make a joke. I I have to make a joke about everything. It's just my personality. I was going to make a joke like, oh, yeah, I found one just like it with a broken cart slot at the flea market. But I know that all those people in that Nintendo Age group would have jumped on me and not understood the joke. So I didn't make that joke. Somebody so did. Sorry. I think it was... Uh... Uh, Grant made that joke on Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah, he said I found one of those too, but it turns out I just dropped it. <laughs> People probably understood that. Damn it! I need to make my jokes more understandable. Yeah. I also got called out on like VG Collectaholic posted his uh, sculptor's cut recently, and I said like, oh yeah, the cool kids take their manual out of the box because obviously the manual's the cool part of sculptor's cut to have. No, it isn't. And- well, I'm yes, it is. Stop citing the examples I'm going to talk about next. Oh, sh- sh- John. and that's a transition into Johnny's game. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Tyler. You were the worst at this. Uh, <laughs> I totally forgot. <laughs> All right. Um, you know what? I uh, will we'll keep. I'll, I'll do another one aside from this. But yeah, Sculptor's Cut, again, Guilty. And VGA Collectaholic, nothing personal. But yeah, Sculptor's Cut is garbage. It's 100% trash. It was pretty much an unfinished game that wound up just... Like, it sat in limbo for so long before it finally released 
and you already had a clay fighter for the N64 that was like not good anyways. And then this version came out being even worse. I think it was supposed to be a fix. Anyways, if you've ever played this game, it's trash. What's remarkable about it is it was a blockbuster game. Also might have been sold straight up in Canada. People speculate. I don't know what the truth is there. But the manual is hard to find. Um, and the people who are like, no, it definitely was never sold in Canada. There are sealed copies that are known to exist, like at least one or two of them. According to WADA 2, that blew my mind. I didn't know there were any. So, and I, and that's why I think probably Canada had them. Because like, if you go back to like Final Fight uh, Guy or Guy, however you wish to pronounce it, like when there was that, the black box version of it that people obsess about. That one, uh, they said, was found in a Canadian warehouse. We know things got sold in Canada because maybe they weren't blockbuster exclusivity, maybe was only tied to the United States. That's why I think that's fair. Also, from what I know, uh, I knew a lot of people who worked at blockbusters and were managers of blockbusters. Most of their came their stuff came not cellophane sealed. So unless it was a reseal, which it certifiers... Like, you can tell resales from that era pretty easily, especially the blockbuster resales are pretty gross. Yeah, I, I would have to imagine that it was allocated to a place that was going to sell the game. Game is garbage. It's not fun. The manual is hard to find. That's because Blockbuster got them, put a display box up, took the manual and stuffed it somewhere else. And those probably sat in a stack with a bunch of other manuals that eventually went in the trash. So that's why a game can be like $1,500 and then suddenly the manual is $1,000. There was a while where it was like $200 and I was like, I should buy that. And this was a long time ago. And then I was like, I'm never paying that much for a manual. I don't care about that. But did to I? To be clear, hmm. the cart is like $400, $300 and the manual's $1,000. When you say $1,500, that's like a complete game. Yeah. I don't, $1,500 seems low to me because I know the well, man is at least I, like $1,000. I, I don't know the current price. Let, let me check the current price because I have had mine for a long time now. I want to say I'm it's old. closer to, it's much closer to two. It's nineteen. It seems yeah. all over the place. Yeah. 1900 to 2600 whatever yeah. you want. But yeah, Even but recent sales uh, have, uh, there's a wide gap there. So it's probably depending on when people are trying to buy it. What so, world is this that I'm the one that was uh, correct on a price estimate? Well, there was one that sold complete for 1200 There was one that sold for 1700 There's one that sold for 26 You know, condition is everything. Normally, I'm like, hey, this is 100 bucks, And then Tyler's like, Tyler's like, well, actually, it's like $5. Yeah, you got to remember, <laughs> I've been done with N64 for, for a, a long piece now. And Sculptor's Cut is actually a game I had before I was even hardcore collecting. Before I ever decided I was going to complete... N64, as I said, I went out and got Sculptor's Cut. At the time, it was one of the most expensive games I ever played because I think my total into it was like 250 for my complete copy. And yeah, uh, you were definitely buying it when N64 was a real garbage system. Yeah, like I felt real bad that I spent $250. I'll tell you. <laughs> and like, and I had to piece it together. I had to get the manual separately. I was like, ugh. And I was selling. I kept finding the cart. And then I was selling for $60. So that's what world I was in. Anyways, uh, people love to show off Sculptor's Cut. They love to pull it out, show that manual, be like, look at this. But then no one ever wants to play this game. Taught dog You know, That's all I got to say. I I guess I didn't know this, so someone out there doesn't know this. There's a press release from 1998 that says, specifically in this language, only a mere 20,000 copies are being manufactured. 
And I did oh. not know we had like that kind of exact number for this. I did not know either. Maybe that's why it got so hot so quick, aside from being... Because there are other blockbuster games at the time that didn't get that hot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, 20,000, like, double the minimum print run for a lot of these companies, so it's interesting. I know it was 10,000 for NES. I don't know what N64 was for minimum print. Yeah, well, an episode we're going to do later is uh, what are actual blockbuster exclusives, because we've said we were going to do that for a while. Because there are fights about... Blockbuster exclusives. Well, a lot of them just say blockbuster exclusive on the case, so it's easy. And a lot of them don't. I know. And Johnny will tell me what all of those are, because I don't know them. We will fight about it later. Anyways, Tyler, do you want to go into your your next one? My my controversial pick, Johnny, of, of a popular game that I think is pretty bad, and you're wrong for collecting it. Yeah, I do want to go into that, actually. I want to talk about NES black box games, specifically the arcade ports. And I've already gone into like Saturn arcade ports and I go off on it. I'm like a PC and arcade guy. I'm console guy is a secondary thing. Console stuff is easier to collect though. It's kind of black box games in general. I understand that the black box games, especially the first 17 are a really iconic part of NES history, one of the coolest of, sets in game of video game history. Don't limit it. It's not just Nintendo. It's video game history. People love black boxes. It, I got a rope. I've already. I, I don't it out. like What's using the word history. I think <laughs> the black box games are cool because they look cool. I think the historical importance of them is pretty dubious. Some of them are very important. Other ones are Clue Clue Land. Um, <laughs> What's but the we're not with talking Clu-Clu about Land. That. Hold on, why are you taking shots at Clue Clue Land? Clue Clue Land's a fine game that has no historical relevance anywhere. It's almost an Atari game. It's so off the wall. Like, it, it doesn't belong in NES history at all. Like, of all I, the black boxes, like, you could point out I, DK math, but you choose Clue Clue Land? I just, I just love that Clue Clue, Clue Clue Land was, like, the antithesis of important <laughs> games. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like, is. Donkey Kong Jr. math at least has, like, collectors lusting after it. The Clue Clue Land is just Clue Clue Land. It's like gumshoe. Like, when is en- gumshoe made no impact on history? Gumshoe I grew up not even fun. know gumshoeing existed. Gumshoe was fun. You shot his feet. He's a detective. You collected balloons. What is wrong with you? Look at the black box games and see the legacies that they left. There are not many that left a legacy. They sure look cool on a set. Yeah, like yeah. Mock Rider or Tennis. No one cares wow. about volleyball. It's the last time I was at the Nintendo World Store, uh, they had, I think, two black box NES t-shirts, and one of them was Mock Rider. And I'm just like, who, who's buying this t-shirt? Yeah. Like, so, uh, Slalom was actually fun. I enjoyed Slalom. I think uh, I think we talked about this before. I think Slalom probably one of the, the ones that you're likely to forget if you tried naming all the black box games, yep. <laughs> let alone even talking about your favorites. It's like getting to that seventh dwarf. You're like, ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it's Donkey Kong 3. I frequently forget Donkey Kong 3 ever existed. But anyway, so the interesting thing with comics, I'm going to bring it to comics to bring our comic people in. Comics are a part of American culture. If you buy the first print of a comic, you're buying the first time that thing ever existed. When it comes to Nintendo games, it is a super Japanese thing. And specifically for these freaking black box arcade ports, they're like five years after the arcade release. So let's go. There's six black box arcade ports. So we got Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Donkey Kong 3, 
Popeye Kung Fu, which is uh, a port of Kung Fu Master, and the original Mario Bros. And I could I could tear them apart technically. I'm not going to. For the most part, they're fine versions of the home games. You could mention that Mario Bros. got a better re-release because it's not really arcade accurate. But I'm just going to focus on Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong is a really desirable game. Johnny was trying to fight me about this before the episode. I was Complete not trying bo- to fight you. I was asking the question. Jeez. Johnny yells at me. He fights uh, me. Well, I'm going to uh, fight you on this one now. Let's go. So go on. since February, Complete Inbox Donkey Kongs are all over the place. There is just a vertical cliff upward uh, since that $100,000 Mario sold. I would say on average, they're probably three to $500 complete in box now. And a sticker seal on Heritage Auctions went for $1,800. I'm going to say Donkey Kong is, in in its defense, I'm going to say it's weirdly hard to find considering how popular of a game it is. It's not rare, but... It's not like you find Donkey Kong classics all the freaking time. I don't usually see straight up Donkey Kong. Is Would you agree with that, Johnny? I, w- I would agree with that, yeah. All right. Donkey Kong. One of the most important games ever, undisputed. Released in 1981 in arcades. Smash hit. First appearance of Mario. First appearance of Donkey Kong. Unbelievably important. Shigeru Miyamoto's breakout game. It's an absolute icon of the golden age of arcades. So they got to bring it home. So what do they do? They put it on the... Fe- no, they put it on the ColecoVision. They license it to Coleco. The iconic home version of Donkey Kong is the ColecoVision version, which was the ColecoVision pack-in. I don't think it even has a box. I think it was only a pack-in game. If you're asking me what the most important kind of first printy Donkey Kong version is, it's the ColecoVision version. And it's ba- it's a you could use it to balance a table. It's worth less than five dollars uh, any day. And then famously, Coleco went on. Let's just get into video game history here. So Coleco, they had the Donkey Kong license, and then they made a terrible Atari and Intellivision version to show how much better the ColecoVision uh, was. That kind of underhanded tactics. Man, I wish the video game industry would get back to that. Right. So in 1983, Nintendo made. The Famicom version, two years after it was in arcades, and it wasn't until 1986 that it came to the NES, which is five years after the real, actually important, iconic version of Donkey Kong came out. By today's standards, that's practically a remake. So, the NES version of Donkey Kong... The iconic version? You mean the arcade version? Yes. Not the Coleco version. I'm like, Um, you're not saying the Coleco version is... I... Like... I, you're, you're trying to like pitch that the Coleco version is the better version. It maybe is. Maybe it is. Coleco version maybe version it, way more important than the NES version. Maybe it is, but at least, but at, this is the Nintendo release of a Nintendo arcade game. It so yes, the 1983 Famicom version, which is worth about twenty dollars, is the original Nintendo release of Donkey Kong at home. Right. This version you could spend five hundred dollars on. Basically, because it's in a cool black box, not because there's any historical importance, is a butchered version of Donkey Kong, and I don't like it. And so, a big reason I don't like it also is because if we're talking about the history of Donkey Kong, as I'm going to say a lot, one of the most important games ever made, Donkey Kong has four levels and like some cutscenes in between the levels, and one of those levels isn't in the NES game, and the cutscenes aren't in the NES game. It's bad. 
the first printed Donkey Kong, it came out in arcades in 1981. You can get an arcade cabinet. It's a real piece of, it's a tangible history of Nintendo. It's the tangible history of the characters of American arcades of gaming. It's like a thousand dollars, like $1,500. If you want to get like a real nice kind of restored one. So why would you spend a thousand dollars or even like $600 on the shitty home port? Just get a Donkey Kong cabinet. That's the real history. Because why not? I get it. I get that you want to have the Nintendo game, but man, that's not that's not the history. It is the it's history. Wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. Like, oh, who's who? I'm trying to think. I, I like giving shout outs on the show. Someone posted like Donkey Kong, Super Mario Brothers and Metroid complete or sealed on Instagram. And they're like, these are the iconic things. Uh, the the pillars of Nintendo history or whatever. It's like, no, that Donkey Kong, which is worth like whatever a sealed Donkey Kong is worth $5,000. That's not the history. The arcade cabinet is the history. So basically that was my five minute speech on why you should collect arcade games instead. What are you people doing? Console games are for children. (laughs) Well, because (laughs) arcade games are big, bulky, require maintenance. Oh, you know, collectible Nintendo games are expensive. I'm going to download a ROM instead. No shortcuts. Get the arcade cabinet. How many arcade cabinets do you have? Zero. They're too fucking big. I got rid of them all. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wait, you got rid of all of them? Yeah, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. He's got a ton of pinball machines. Yeah, yeah. oh, pinball. dude, once you get pinball, you're like, man, arcades, who would ever play these in the again? lead here, Tyler. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay, anything else you want to find about Donkey Kong? Not really, but if uh, another thing besides being an arcade elitist as a person who owns zero arcade games right now, I, I want to push this so. You can get all like the the black box games on Famicom and they're all freaking worthless because they're all common as shit. So get all the black box games on Famicom and then go over to like the rich comic people and start saying like, look, I got the real first prints and I need like at least 50 of you to start doing that on Instagram this week. Thank you for your time. (laughs) All right. Cool. Excellent. Stefan, you want to fight him on that at all? Are you good? Yeah, Alex, but I w- was curious, Tyler, is the um, the Famicom version, is that the same on the NES? Was there, is there a different? Because you, you Im- kind of implied that they were different. Uh, no, they're the same. They, uh, they're both missing the cement factory level. Gotcha. Okay. I think Donkey Kong Jr. was complete when they brought it home. I'm not as familiar with Donkey Kong Jr. I don't know. Or should you be? I like Donkey Kong Jr. Let's yeah. fight about that. <laughs> you want to talk about Donkey Kong Jr. So the ColecoVision version of Donkey Kong Jr. <laughs> All right, and Stefan. My hot take. Now, this is coming from someone who has a tattoo of this game, who puts this game in his top 10 games of all time, but it's such a divisive title that I wanted to choose it for my hot take. Divisive? And that, divisive. Divisive? Divisive. Divisive? Hagan. <laughs> uh, and that is Earthbound. I will give you all a moment to stop clutching your pearls. Okay, so, yes. My pearls. Yeah, my pearls. <laughs> I got the vapors. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so Earthbound. I, I chose this because there are two camps on this it, for one thing it is popular right and it's it's well known and it's 
expensive, probably more expensive than it should be. In fact, undoubtedly more expensive than it should be. They made a bunch. Uh, but you have people who either like there there seems to be no middle ground on this title whatsoever there's no people who who look at earthbound and go eh it's okay it's either you love this game it's the best game you've ever played it's one of the greatest rpgs seminal rpg you know defines the console or it is the absolute worst dog game you've ever played in your life. You don't understand it. The dialogue is terrible. The gameplay is awful. It's boring. It looks like an, 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 an but it looks like an NES game. Those are the two camps, and it just like I don't think that there's there's no game that comes to mind immediately that is so polarizing. There's a better word for you, Johnny polarizing than earthbound in in that you have you you only have people who love it or just absolutely despise it i wasn't arguing about the word i was arguing about the pronunciation divisive no. i bet we could think of something like i don't know minecraft because i bet a lot of people like me buy earthbound and never play it <laughs> yeah tyler is of probably would be in the earthbound is dog camp I, I don't know anything about Earthbound. I probably would be after I played it. I don't know. Yeah, you well, should play no, it. Does for it have random minutes. battles, or is it one of those games like Chrono Trigger without random battles? It has random battles. Oh, I guess it's both, isn't it? Does it both? No, no, you're right. It doesn't have. But so you have enemies in the world that are randomly spawned. So it's not. It's not like, so it's like Chrono Zelda Trigger. Two, kinda. Yeah, it's not like Chrono Trigger, where if you like exited the screen and came back, it would be like the All same. Right, you know, spawns. I could deal it, with that. I just don't want to step onto an empty tile and have the screen flash at me. You know, maybe I'll, I could live with Earthbound. Maybe. So All you're right, saying well, uh, you got a tattoo of it because it's dog. Shit. All right, Johnny, what's your uh, yeah? What, what? What? Why? You did not justify your position at all. No, I'm. I am clearly. Well, I did, it wasn't a position. It was just more of a, a statement that the game only has two camps, right? There are definitely people out there who look at the game and say it's the worst game ever. So they would say that it's an extremely popular game that is terrible. There are other people who look at that game and say it's an extremely popular game that is absolutely amazing. And just the the polarizing nature of the game made it interesting to me. So I brought it up as a topic. I will say this about Earthbound. It is one of the games, especially back in the day, that uh, when collectors would just get in, it was one of their favorite games to find and put up on like on their picture on their shelf and be like, look what I found. But people weren't playing that game. Like they didn't care about that game. They only cared about it as that it relayed some sort of status. In fact, it is such a game that if you were on Nintendo age, you could get like when they first added the little like awards that you could put on like under your signature. Earthbound was one of the first awards that you got. I own an Earthbound. Like who gives a shit? But you could let people know. So yeah, if you look I've, at me, I've got one that says I own an Earthbound. And I've seen like a disproportionate amount of people get super excited for completing that game as far as, you know, piecing together a CIB copy between the, uh, it's not even a manual really, but it, the strategy guide that comes with it and like the nuances in that, like making sure that all the cards are in the back. And, that the and scratch the fact, and stiff still smells, right? Yeah, and that, that it's that, and that it's a large form factor box, and like people get really excited for uh, completing and showcasing that particular game. Yeah, that you don't have some bullshit repro of the in, of the internal cardboard. Yeah, or that you know that dog display only version that's like the normal size. Who needs that? What me? Th- those are like legit things you can get for like no money, right? Those boxes. 
the display copy box, I think has been moving up. But like, if you're a serious collector, you get both. Just so I'm them. not a serious collector. I just have Earthbound for the status, though. I just have it for the retro gem miner, pretty much. <laughs> I was heartbroken when I saw a guy buy a. We, we were talking about the flat pack, you know, unfolded boxes, console boxes, and stuff. There was a guy at Portland last year, the year before, Two years. that had had a couple Earthbound boxes that were flat pack that hadn't been folded, and the guy folded it so to complete his copy. Because you no, know, undoubtedly it was probably the nicest box he'd ever find because it wasn't it wasn't folded, but it just broke my heart that he just that he folded an unfolded box. I would do that in a second. I wouldn't even Me think too. about it. Me too. <laughs> we were just talking a little bit about the display one, like for display only. Be careful because there are fakes of the for display one as well. I don't know why, but there are. So just be careful on that. I was going to throw out a price and I just looked, I looked at it for one second. And I'm like, I can't tell which ones are real. I don't know. Cause yeah, the, that's the, the thing is like some of the, the, the fake ones are so prevalent because the real ones look fake. Yep. Yeah. So 20 to 40 bucks. I'm going to say Yeah. to get a shitty display box for your earthbound that no one will think you're cool for owning and you'll have to be so sad. You don't have the big box. Yeah. In fact, like all the display boxes I'm seeing right now are, I think I'm seeing like three fake ones and two real ones, maybe. Yeah, that's uh, that's Earthbound. Feel free to fight Stefan. You know the guy with the tattoo of Earthbound. Yeah, it doesn't. Like I said, it doesn't even have to be a fight because I am one of those people who love the game. But there is a gigantic camp that that hates it. Now, a lot of that might be generated from the hype. Like you know, there's a certain crowd of people who see something that is popular and just decide to hate on it because uh, they either don't have it or they just want to be the the uh, antagonist. Like, there's plenty of people who say Little Samson is terrible when it's a fantastic game. Uh, but and that that may be a certain percentage of these people as well. But but there's definitely a giant audience that thinks Earthbound is terrible. Right into the show if you think Little Samson's terrible. I don't. How could anyone have that opinion? It's maybe better than Mega Man Two. Maybe. Anything else you want to say about Earthbound? No, I like it a lot. You what are the prices, it? just so we know how collectible it is, Stefan? As if like people are don't know every day because it's such a common game to keep track of. Yeah, for a while it was like upwards of like two hundred bucks for a loose copy, right? Two two fifty. Uh, I think right now it's sitting at like one fifty. Off the top of my head. Game value now says 180, which that would be it on the rise. Yeah. So here's an interesting thing about Earthbound 2. So last week when we were doing the games at lost value, when Earthbound was put out on the Wii U, it like took a dip and people like the people who hate that Earthbound is a thing felt so vindicated and they're like, yeah, now the price is gonna drop. And it did for a little while, but it rebounded a lot quicker than I think anyone thought. Because I was like, oh, yeah, maybe we can bring up Earthbound in that episode. And then I looked, I'm like, nope, it's more expensive than before the reprint, uh, before it was issued on the Wii U for 10 bucks. So that's a thing that I can't talk about anymore. I do think it's interesting that if you look at the game value now tracking for the CIB copy, it's much more jumpy. I mean, the the cart only copy is flat. Like, it's been flat since since July of 15. It has like a slight Uh, dip. Like about a year ago, it was it was on the trek down. It's like, oh man, Earthbound's going to be a double digit game soon, and it's just like, no, I'm going back up to 180. Apparently, yeah. 
I mean, complete copies are now like people are trying to get over a grand for complete copies. Yeah. It's you almost know, there. I, yeah, I mean, I don't think you should pay over a grand for it. You can definitely do. Yeah, you can get a better Pokemon box for that. But you know, it, there's a there's, it, it's not out of the question. I remember like, I think it was like seven hundred dollars or something before the dip, and people were like, aha, and it like dropped down to like three or four hundred dollars for a minute, like panic sales. And then, uh, now, you know, here we are. More expensive than then. Anyways, uh, the last thing I can say about Earthbound is it's not even really Earthbound. It's uh, Mother 3. If you guys don't know, Earthbound is Mother in Japan. I'm sure everyone listening to this show knows that. But um, there was a Nintendo Age campout exclusive. Like, they did a like small print run, a translation on the GBA of Mother 3 that they put out. And uh, it is literally the worst thing in my whole collection. So we should do an episode where we talk about like something you pull out of the collection that is like the most regrettable, grossest thing you own. Mine is this stupid Nintendo Age Earthbound thing. It's got the worst paint job you've ever seen. It doesn't fit into GBA ports because Stephen, the paint job it. is actually that Stephen. bad. Blah. Say it. <laughs> it's Mother 2. Is it, is it Mother 2? Mother 3 two? and Earthbound are different games. No, I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there was a translation of Mother Three that Nintendo Age did specifically. I okay. said not. Well, Earthbound. we both heard you say Earthbound is Mother Three. Oh no, I'm. T- I thought I said not Mother. It. I said Earthbound is Mother. Like that's the title. But uh, I'm talking specifically. This is not Earthbound, but as an adjacent to it, Mother Three that Nintendo Age did the translation for. Why would I need a translation of f-ing Earthbound? I can play Earthbound. I'll check you in the editing, Johnny. <laughs> check. And I'll delete check me. me and Stefan's comments if it turns out that we are wrong. I will. But I no, think I we're mean, correct. We're. I'm talking fast, so it may have been a vocal slip. But you know, my intent to tell you is the Mother Three translation. It's the grossest thing I own. All right, Johnny had some weird phrasing. He said something like Nintendo Age Earthbound thing. Stupid Nintendo Age Earthbound thing. But he never actually said Earthbound is Mother 3. I'm going to call this one a draw. Hey, I don't think... Earthbound wasn't sealed, was it? Did it have a seal? It did not. Then why are there new listed... Or things that are listed as new on... Because you can have I a have, new... I have a strong-worded email to write. No, because it can be new. Like, you can... It's never been open. It can still be new. Yeah, but... Okay. That's uh, just uh, weird what me. I do is I look for a VGA copy and see if it's qualified. It's totally qualified. So, yeah, it's just... And when they qualify it, they take it out of the box to qualify that it's new. So, if it's VGA, you can be 100% sure that it's not actually new. We All right. Let's uh, let's move on, shall we? Yeah. That's a great idea. Earth. Somebody's right. got one more, right? Uh, okay, so my other game, this is like pretty conventional, and uh, everyone on this podcast is super guilty of it. I know a lot of you guys who are listening to uh, the show are also guilty of it. Night Trap. Night Trap is not good. It's not particularly fun. It is historically uh, relevant. It has... You know, it has an interesting pedigree, an interesting history. Not a good game. Super collectible. Most people, uh, you know, they're like, ah, oh, sweet, I got my Night Trap. And they, they want to show it off. Limited Run did, you know, a couple different editions of it. So, like, they did two separate releases of it. They did the, like, PlayStation 
and then I think the Vita, was it on Vita or was it just PlayStation and PC? Maybe it was just PlayStation 4 and PC. How could so they, they resist did, putting it out on Vita? I'll, I'll eat my hat if it's not on Vita. <laughs> I, I just can't remember if it was or if it wasn't. Um, 100% on Vita. So that was like a thing. And then the Switch came out. And then that was the funny thing because then Night Trap made it to the Switch. It's got variant covers and special edition boxes and everything. And there's... You know, you can have a couple different variants on the Sega CD. I think we counted five variants on the Sega CD that you can have. So there's that. Five? I have all. Yes, there are two of the red box, or maybe it's only four. Yeah, two of the red box, the the yellow box, the Sega CD included, and then uh, the cardboard blue box. So yeah, four. Okay, let me check that uh, Sega CD collector thread on Sega Age that that really cool guy made. Oh, shut just shut for my, up. what are the red box variants actually i don't know uh it's one of them has the sticker on it and one of them does not okay. no the age sticker on it the like essentially the srb but it wasn't sega didn't oh, i didn't the know SRB. they ever put one out with that all right is one like actually rarer or more collectible um the sticker would be rarer but like they're the red box is usually the more iconic version so that's more collectible but probably the blue box is probably the one i found to be the hardest to get but then, um, what is it, on 3DO, that's probably more collectible, like, harder to find. I would agree, especially in decent condition. Like, the long box for 3DO is really difficult to find. Everything on 3DO is really difficult to find. Sega CD games, because uh, the red box is also a card bo- cardboard box, like, not the cardboard that the Sega CD one is in the and the blue box one. It's like the flimsy cardboard early release Sega CD boxes. So they are garbagey they're like some of the worst boxes you've ever made uh like imagine f game gear boxes were thinner and more awkwardly shaped and didn't have like a big cardboard tray to protect most of it it's terrible so these games are always in bad condition so to find a nice condition red box is probably the hardest thing to do anyways uh yeah night trap's not good uh night trap was uh, never good i mean i guess that's a pretty obvious opinion but i remember like when I first kind of learned about Night Trap, whenever there were some people online, they're like, no, man, Night Trap's like this hidden gem. Night Trap is it's garbage and it's the worst form of quote unquote gameplay ever. Yeah, but ever. Dana, Dana Plato, man, she's from uh, different strokes and she's like in her bra. Everyone you wants can't, that. You can't watch any of it. It's all speaking of Mega Man trial and error. Night Trap is nothing but trial and error. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, it that game is hot garbage, but people love to own it, love to show it off. That's one. Yep. Like, guilty. Like I said, all three of us on the show is guilty. Tyler's so guilty, he has a PC version, you know. We PC version is always better. You got to get that, that not HD, but really nice standard definition Night Trap video. Stefan's got it on 3DO, and I'm a guy over here with a... A f- ton of copies on Sega CD, so I, I I've got I've got nowhere no room to judge anyone. I'm just telling you my thoughts on it. I even bought the T-shirt from Limited Run. Oh God! Oh, and I, I got the I T-shirt, wear, and I wear it in public. I think I got a size too small. <laughs> <laughs> the gem miner should wear that. No, he's got that sweet N64 shirt from Marshalls now. <laughs> I've also I've got the Night Trap uh, Limited Run Games PC version. It's like a PC big box. And it has a jewel case thrown in and a folded up poster. And that's the entire contents of the box. There's not even a cardboard insert. 
It's like the worst video game release I've bought of anything ever. And it kind of totally disillusioned me to thinking that limited run games are worth anything. Agreed. Anyways, I, I think that's, uh, that's all the games we have. That's, we just did a, a quick version. We could do a part two to this episode pretty easily. Uh, if you enjoyed this, but, uh, yeah, these are bad games that, that collectors love to own and show off, including us. Anything else guys? You know, there's some more bad games that are kind of expensive and collectible. The Sega CD, Sega arcade ports. Oh, Not no, Sega nope. CD, Sega Saturn. Nope. Damn it, All I right. fucked it up. Nope, 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 nope. nope. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so let's go ahead and go on to the second part of the show. Let's talk about what we've bought and what we've played. Tyler, what about you? What have you bought? What have you played? Uh, I have not been buying crazy a lot, but I did buy a, a couple cool things. I got an NES Deluxe set, uh, the one with no picture on it, so I guess the first print... Which, uh, I've been buying a bunch of Nintendo consoles this year. Probably the last one I'm going to buy. I was thinking about buying every NES box, but there's so many variants. Like, I don't want to have to get another Power Pad box just to get the Orange Zapper version. But I figured, if I'm going to collect Nintendo hardware, like, you know, the original deluxe set, probably the one to own. Uh, so that's cool. And then, uh, I got two copies of Half-Life. So, Two? I, Why Two. Well, I looked at my my sad copy of Half-Life is the Game of the Year version, and I wanted you to get monster. the original Half-Life. So I'm like kind of going through my games. I'm like, what are the most important games to me? And it's like, Half-Life, one of the best games ever, one of the most important games ever. And I'm sitting here, I own the Game of the Year version. So I bought uh, the original release, which comes in a, a gatefold box. It's kind of got Gordon looking at you from the side of the gatefold. And then <laughs> the same exact release with uh, a circular game of the year sticker on it i'm like oh that's a little different i want that one too and uh i got both of them for pretty good prices considering prices these days so i'm pretty happy do you have the uh the big box pc version yeah there's three big box pc versions. yeah i didn't even know that was a thing that half-life big box was a yeah, thing in the 90s was it or was it half-life 2 one of them one of them like that defaults into a small box yeah like, half-life 2 is a small box although I would bet anything that in like Poland or something, there's a big box. Cause I think when you get to the early 2000s, like like there's always a big box in some weird version of the world. Yeah. I think there was like a price club like version of it. That was big box. I'm sure you could spend like 150 bucks on it. I guess while I'm recording for my editing, let me put in a correction here. There are three boxes for Half-Life 2. There's one with Gordon's face. There's one with Alex's face and there's one with the G-Man face. All three versions came out in a small box and a big box version in America. The big box versions are really rare. Half-Life 2 came out in the mid-2000s, and retailers just didn't carry big box PC games at that point. So if it's anything like Doom 3, it probably ended up in places like Costco or Sam's Club only. And then there's the Half-Life 2 Collector's Edition big box, but you could buy that any day of the week. That's no problem. But yeah, right, continue. Half-Life's real cool. We cool. haven't done a... I feel like we haven't done a WADA check-in in a while, because there's been nothing interesting selling in the oh, high-end uh, game uh, market. Well, we'll do that next episode. We'll check in. Uh, we'll do our check in with Wada. See, see what's gone insane on heritage auctions and stuff. Flash. All right, uh, Stefan. What about you? I, I mean, you you mentioned some of the stuff already, but uh, refresh us. Uh, I'm looking at my. I'm actually going through my Instagram feed, 
figuring out what I didn't talk about uh, since the last time. Oh, so uh, I there was, it was a terrible Nightmare Before Shipsmith sh- story recently that's on my Instagram. I bought a Star Fi- or rather Star Wing competition poster, which the posters are not even like poster quality. They're like print, ma- like shiny magazine print, like shiny magazine pages. Uh, and I had that shipped from the UK and somehow in a poster tube and somehow they managed to what looks like run over the middle of it, but then also get it wet. So not only did they crush my poster, but they soaked it. Uh, so I am trying to, well, I mean, I dried it out pretty easily, but now we're trying to press it and, and salvage it because they're incredibly rare and I'm not going to find another one especially not stateside so I'm, I'm trying to salvage my Starwing competition poster uh, I had commissioned and this was uh, the opposite I had a very good shipping story in that I had an Archon 1981 neon sign uh, commissioned for me in the style of like the red racetrack Nintendo neons and that shipped from China totally fine the guy packed it really well I've, I've mentioned before when we were talking about packing neon signs that you put uh, bubble wrap behind the letters so that they don't move he did that it was perfect I love my sign so I bought that recently uh, I bought a uh, Nintendo advanced uh, advanced super agent jacket so in uh, the Nintendo call center uh, customer service gameplay counselor and correspondence were three different teams, but you could cross-train on them. And so if you were cross-trained on all three of those, you were an advanced super agent, and they got a jacket. Um, and I believe there were only five or six of them. It was a really long wait list to get cross-trained on correspondence. So uh, one guy that I talked to said he was on the wait list for a year and never got cross-trained. So, uh, so the jackets are very, very, very sparse, and I was able to get one of those. I'm excited about that. Um, That's super and- cool. I'm, I'm going to cut in that. I, I, I haven't been on Instagram in like a week. I didn't see this. Uh, first of all, the name Advanced Super Agent with Nintendo on it, that's just a cool name and it's a really nice looking jacket. And sometimes yeah, you buy so, really dumb jackets. So I think that's one of the cooler ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's technically, you know, I have a collection of, of gameplay counselor jackets and this is technically the last gameplay counselor jacket that I needed because, uh, to get the, the regular super agents were when you were just cross trained as a gameplay counselor and a, a customer service agent, which would the CSRs would deal with like hardware, you know, and that kind of stuff, um, product based stuff, not game based stuff. Uh, so if you were cross trained on those two, then you were just a super agent. And then the advanced super agent was correspondence. Those were the people who could actually write uh, directly to customers uh, via the mail. And that that was the what correspondence did. So any anytime anytime you see those letters from Nintendo, that was the correspondence department. Um, so yeah, those uh, the super agent or the advanced super agent jackets are really really spice. Um, the regular super agents you get a trophy for, and I, I've I've shown that on on Facebook before or on uh, Instagram before. Uh, what else did I buy? Oh, I got a sweet hoodie today that Johnny loves. Oh, God. You're uh, so gross. <laughs> I didn't say anything about the sign. I was like, okay. <laughs> but this, like, why uh, you drag me into this? So this is like I, the dumbest thing. I mean, I just, I hate it so very much. I Do what I, you want with your life, but goddamn, make better yeah. choices. So I, I treat my channels um, and my social stuff more of a brand than Johnny is personally comfortable with. And, You're not uh, a brand. <laughs> You're not a brand. 
You're not a brand. You're a person. God. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you just made my point for me. Um, but uh, but I did get a, a hoodie. This is actually mainly for wearing uh, during my YouTube videos. I wanted something that, that I could wear. You um, are one of those gross YouTubers now. Nah, I, was one of, I was one of those gross YouTubers before. You just didn't no, want to admit it. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. <laughs> now you're, it's so tryhardy. I hate it. It's ugh. Johnny, at, at PRGE, are, people are going to come up to him. They're not going to say, hey, it's Stefan. They're going to be like, dude, it's Archon 1981. So it's like orange juice and toothpaste in my mouth at the same time. I just want none of this. Absolutely none of it. I am so happy I, I brought this disagree, up. I disagree with you on this. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't reasonably disagree with you because it's your life, but I hate this. I hate this so much. <laughs> it literally makes my skin feel oh ripply and crawly. I am crying. Ugh. Oh my god! <laughs> so, so funny. did you actually describe what it is? It's a sweatshirt with your name no, on it in the yeah, NES font. Just, okay, and yeah, you didn't just, even do it in, like. And then there's no consistency. Like there's no consistency to what you're even doing. So it's just like <laughs> to me, it's also bad brand management at the same time. <laughs> Black. No. No, <laughs> his YouTube. The, well, look at this. So if you look at his page, he's got the Stranger Things thing as his picture. He's got this NES font sweatshirt. The neon is in like the red Nintendo thing. And then when you go to his YouTube channel, I think it's just like a plain screen that says Archon 1981. The, there the is no Archon branding from, here. Yep, Archon or the um the header on my YouTube channel is Archon from the actual NES game. Oh my god, it's just everything. Yeah, it's good. Love it. Oh, man. Uh, oh, I also grabbed a um, a Super Nintendo that was used by... So, um, if I haven't already... Me- no, I have mentioned it, but I'll plug it again. So, for Portland this year, I'm doing a museum display uh, showcasing gameplay counselor memorabilia. So, I'm, I'm scavenging as much as I can before uh, October. And I picked up a Super Nintendo that was used by a gameplay counselor at their desk. Uh, so I'll have that for the display. Um, I also wanted to plug that it's we did confirm that I will be also hosting a panel for gameplay counselors uh, during Portland. So I will be bringing... I have confirmed three, but I might be getting a fourth uh, former gameplay counselor for that panel. So yeah, I'm really excited about that as well. Um, all right. Did you play any video games? Nope. Okay. Uh Tyler, did you play anything but Divinity with Ada? Uh, I need to end this podcast so I can go play more Divinity with Ada. Uh, I got back on the old school RuneScape train, which is just no horrible. No, you you won't play City of Heroes with me, but you're putting your dick in RuneScape. Oh my god, RuneScape is such a bad game. Oh, but it's so nostalgic and perfect. I don't even know. So you played RuneScape, Johnny? I'm currently training agility, which means I have to jump between five rooftops for no joke. I'm just doing five clicks. I do a click, wait like maybe four to five seconds for an animation, do another click. I have to do that for maybe 10 to 12 real hours to get the the thing I'm trying to grind for right now. It's uh, old school RuneScape. Someone out there might get it. I don't get it, but I'm I'm on that train again. It's like heroin. I don't know. Yeah, but he does not have time for City of Heroes, but he's got time to to jump for 12 fucking hours. Like, so it's my favorite MMO because there's no I'm, reason do, to play with anyone else. Can we just City of Heroes, you have to the, play with other people. 
Can you do like the sound thinking like the back in time sound effect and then just and then go to the last episode where you were just like, I'm never playing another MMO. I don't have time for that. Like when you were talking about that. Uh, yeah, I don't know how this happened. I really, I don't know. It's, no, no, it's please relax. go back. <laughs> please go um, back and just do that. I'm not going to put in that effort. We're just going to leave in the part where you mentioned it. Everyone will remember. He he only puts in that effort when it's something that he can prove you wrong about. Yes, that's that's accurate. Yeah, that's hundred <laughs> percent true. <laughs> yeah. Stefan, is EverQuest a good game? Like, do you legitimately believe in your heart it is better than other games out there, MMOs? Uh, I mean, it's it's more way more of a one trick pony than what you would get modernly. Like, it's a it's a you know sit in one spot and grind with a group uh, game. Like like the uh, what the first Final Fantasy was it eleven? Is that Final Fantasy the yeah, MMO? Yeah. Yeah, there, there, yeah, so it's it's that it's that original style of MMO where you have like you have camps and and you have a puller and you you bring mobs to your location and so it's it's much less of an adventure game than most MMO you know, modern MMOs are. So if if you like that style, then I think it's still super super solid. Uh, if you don't, then it is a hot garbage fire. <laughs> So man, I, Final Fantasy Eleven. I wonder if that's still a thing. Do people still play that? I have no idea. I'm sure people do. If it's still up and they have another MMO simultaneously up, I'm sure there's a hardcore player base that will never die. Yeah. Well, I mean, Fifteen's an MMO too, I think. But I, I have like so much gold in Eleven back from back in the day. Anyways, I, I don't. Sorry, I, I interrupted I was, you, Tyler. I was asking Stefan that because the last time I was on the RuneScape train, I was like trying to justify to myself, like, this is good game design. I could do whatever I want. I set my own goals and I grind towards them. And now I've just kind of accepted that it's a garbage game that's like, I could tell, like, the things that I'm doing in the game, like grinding 15 hours to get agility armor that I need, the person who programmed it never in a million years is going to do it they just set some arbitrary amount of times i had to jump on these rooftops these same five goddamn rooftops with nothing changing my life draining away just to keep me there i don't know it's uh what am i doing with my life johnny (laughs) (laughs) definitely you aren't playing city of heroes with me this took a sudden sad turn. <laughs> I hate it. Well, Stefan, you might as well describe your life now too. Uh, yeah. We can kill off any listeners that are on the edge. <laughs> we've got we've got like a large like if you're older than thirty, we've got just like a large part of people listening that are just like, what's RuneScape? But uh, I don't know. Apparently, it's the second most popular MMO right now under WoW, more popular than EverQuest or City of Heroes. Huh. Well, City of Heroes is like a small scale thing, but I would wager that City of Heroes is more fun. Yes, I would wager that too. <laughs> All right. Um I bought did I did I talk about Bloodstained already? Uh nope. Okay. So, I bought Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. I bought this on Kickstarter. So, I don't know if I mentioned this. The Kickstarter, so if you kickstarted this thing way back when, Here's what you get for your like advanced person. I was originally supposed to get this on the Wii U. This is back in 2015 I did this. Yes, four years ago. Here's what you get. You get a retail copy of the game. Not even a special, like nothing exclusive that's stamped like Kickstarter on the actual 
game. They just gave you straight up the retail copy. And then they gave you a sleeve, which was like, okay, but it's just a shitty, like, 10 cent cardboard sleeve. It's like, Kickstarter exclusive. And then what does Best Buy get? Best Buy, which you can get for less money, especially if you have Gamers Club and you pre-order it, you get a sweet steel book and the same retail copy. The steel book is extra. You just get that and the retail copy for less money. So annoyed. I'm so very annoyed about this. I mean, you, were, I did go- you tied up your money for four years. They gave you a nice cardboard sleeve for that. So dumb. It's so dumb. I'm... Make sure you keep the original uh, shipping box. Apparently, people are keeping those when they're selling them on eBay. Well, that's the thing. The shipping box they put it in is cooler than the cardboard sleeve. And But then they didn't, like, and then they made it, like, the shipping box, and then they put their ugly-ass label on top of it, like, and tape. You're just like, ugh. So if you... Anyways, I'm disgusted by the whole process. I like the game. The Switch version was a little busto. They had to do some patching. Um, getting better... Like, the Xbox and the PS4 version were playing much better. That's not really a shock to me. But, um, yeah, if you wanted the Steelbook, though, like, if you wanted a sweet thing, go get the Steelbook. Don't worry about the stupid Kickstarter-exclusive sleeve, which, like, whoever packed mine barely unfolded it because, you know, obviously it comes in one piece and you, like, un-like-fold it a little bit because mine is has, like, never been properly unfolded, so it's, like, still slanting hard to the right. Because it has, like, no shape to it. Anyways, uh, just, I find it, I found that release to be a little bit embarrassing for uh, a Kickstarter release. It's, like, probably one of my worst Kickstarter experiences as far as getting something. But I also do, like, I don't know if we had to do the Kickstarter to make it happen. So, in that sense, if that's true, then it was worth it. Because uh, I'll do anything for more Castlevania stuff. But, yeah. Unhappy like about Kickstarters that. Kickstarters are almost never required to make things happen. Yeah, that, that was it's a disappointing experience. Um, what else did I buy? Oh, I bought an Intellivision game. Yeah, that, that you might have of me. specifically not mentioned on the last episode. Yeah, I, I did buy it. Well, it came, so it, it's um, you know it's a Scooby Doo game. So that's that's what I bought. I bought. You gonna tell us which one it is? Because yeah, why do you feel? Why are you acting mm-hmm. so ashamed? <laughs> <laughs> because I bought an Intellivision game. <laughs> it's Scooby-Doo's Maze Chase. So, uh, it did come in a bubble mailer from Canada, because f***ing, of course Best. it did. Like, guy, really, guy? He knew you were never going to find another copy of Scooby-Doo's Maze Chase. He's just like, what's he going to do, return it? I'm saving that dollar. Yeah, also, um, well, yeah, especially back to Canada. And he, he way overcharged for shipping, especially for a bubble mailer. So, uh... This guy is getting negative feedback from me because anytime you overcharge me for shipping, like one, don't make money on shipping. Just charge more for the game and let's just work it out that way. I don't like to be tricked. Two, you know, don't ship in bubble mailers. God damn it. Don't ship in bubble mailers. I stopped mailers. buying games from Canada this year. Like I've had too many people just ship in bubble mailers. I understand shipping from Canada is more expensive than it's ever been, but too many people are just screwing me. So sorry, Canadian listeners. I paid $25 for the shipping, though, so I don't expect a bubble mailer. That's the thing. He like, can I profit pay- off his laziness, Johnny. Oh, he he can, but he's totally getting a negative feedback, and I'm 
totally just gonna i'm just gonna light up his feedback because i i I believe like people don't like to do that on ebay like i don't like to leave bad feedback but people never learn unless you do like bad sellers will continue to be bad sellers unless we teach them not to be that's my stance on it i firmly believe that free shipping is the worst thing ever happened to ebay like i would i would so much rather pay for shipping than have someone charge me no shipping but then on the back end cut into you know they because they don't want they don't want their profits to be cut into and so they ship it as cheaply as possible and that's what leads to the bubble bubble mailers i feel like if we still just had a a specific amount of money set aside for shipping that they more people would actually you feel good about using that money i hundred percent agree if you're selling me a game that's like a hundred dollar game i'm looking for listings that have like eight to eleven dollar shipping or or they obviously say that like i'll ship in a box i'm not a moron but very few people say that i want to see that you're spending ten dollars on shipping even though i'm going to ask you again make sure you ship this in the box i'm just not trusting you if you put like three dollars and 89 cents as shipping for a rare game it's one of the few times I didn't message the seller, the seller about putting it in a box because the shipping was twenty five dollars. I was like, "Well, he's got to put it in a box." Oh, see, right? that's unacceptable. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, you, you yeah. should have led with that. I, that's, that's that's. I did us. say that. I said oh, did you? that it wasn't free shipping. It was twenty four dollars and eighty eight cent U S. That's for shipping. That, that's right? really expensive. Canadian. That's what is that Canadian? So, uh, like thirty two dollars yeah, Canadian say, or at whatever. Least Thirty, yeah, yeah nonsense yeah not cool so yeah i don't think it was 32 dollars from canada here in a bubble mailer and like not even a good bubble mailer it was just like so infuriating like come on guy anyways like i said lighten up his feedback uh i don't know how like i i feel mixed though like we can talk about the shipping thing for a little bit i uh i feel mixed on free shipping because free shipping is benefits us as buyers when we want to get the most out of ebay bucks and like deals like that so if you're getting double points because the shipping like if you're buying a ten dollar game and it's ten dollars shipping only the ten dollars that the game cost counts for those ebay bucks right but if it's twenty dollars and free shipping all twenty dollars counts so i feel a little mixed there yeah. Well, I feel like you could, you could. It would be a better move to change that policy than it would, you know, like. Oh, I, I, I don't disagree I think with you. But they're pushing for happening. free shipping because they want to be more like Amazon, where people just like impulse buy some crap yep. on eBay. Right. Look, yeah, it, yeah, shipping, paying shipping fees inherently feels worse, even though it was like those deals work out the same. Also, free shipping f's up values on on all the stupid sites. So I've talked about. Like how a five dollar game, it's like, oh, this goes for five dollars. It's a PS one game. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It goes for a dollar with four dollars shipping. Okay, I, so the, right. there, there's it's problematic. But I agree with you. I would rather them just count everything. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not inferring that we can fix the problem now. I'm just saying I wish it never existed. Yeah. No. I'm. We're not here. This podcast doesn't solve problems. It only points them out. We're not That's helpful. Right. All right. Cool. All right, that's uh, that's all I did. Oh, I played Bloodstained. That's that's the other thing I did. I did play for a little bit. Oh, I had the saddest dad moment. I was like, all right, finally, okay, JD's asleep. Okay, Carly's got him. I'm good. Uh, I've got like 45 minutes before I should be in bed. I'm going to play Bloodstained right now. 
turned it on, controller in hand, immediately fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> Didn't make it through the intro. Nice. Just immediately passed out. I was like, what? I woke up. I'm like, what time is it? Bloodstain's still sitting there waiting for me to like hit A or something. I'm like, damn it. I just went, I just shut it off and went to bed. I was like, uh, disgusted with myself that I didn't get to play it that night. Uh, so mad. I had, I had a similar situation where I was sitting down to play. I don't remember. I think it was Spider-Man. I was sitting down to play it. I'm like, all right, Spider-Man time. And then like immediately as I sat down, Piper threw up all over the couch. <laughs> and I was just like, God damn it. Yeah, my life is pretty rough too, guys. I have to sneak away from playing Divinity to play RuneScape on my iPad in the bathroom. Nobody likes you. <laughs> All right, that's the show, guys. Follow me. I'm <laughs> Default Gen, Default Gen everywhere. All right, Stefan. Uh, I am, as aforementioned, Archon 1981, just about <laughs> the, everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah, trust us. You will never not know you'll never where not Stefan know is. That's right. <laughs> is All your right, PRGE and, exhibit going to be presented by Archon 1981? No, I th- thought about doing presented by Collector's Quest, but I'm not going to do it anymore. Jesus. <laughs> Don't, I'm, I know where you live. <laughs> I'm going to break it. You know what? I'm not, I'm not going to do anything to you. Like, I know your life is already hard. I'm just going to make things like inconvenient. I'm going to like <laughs> go into your house and then like all the toilet paper, I'm going to take it all out of your house and you're just going to go to the bathroom. And you're going to be like, well, this is annoying. Mm. I'm going to that kind of stuff. That's what I'm going to do. Take one of your shoes, like go into your closet. <laughs> like, Oh, here's his like shoes for meetings. I'll take one shoe. You'll be like, where did that <laughs> shoe go? Cause you have dogs and a young daughter. It's yep. possible that that shoe could go anywhere. Yeah. It happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm going to, this is, I, I like, I like my, whatever my anger is to match, like whatever deed I'm doing to match the level of how angry I am. Super passive aggressive. (laughs) No, because I'm telling you, it's not, that's aggressive aggressive. I'm just letting you know. Um, Yeah. Anyways. So when that shoe is missing in the back of your mind, you'll just be like, could he have done it? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I'm Johnny underscore Iucci, J-O-H-N-N-Y underscore I-U-C-C-I. We will see you next time. Well. We won't see you. You will hear us. That's how that works. Podcast. Bye.